0: Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. John Glennon covers the Titans for FanNationSI.com. So much more. We're going to get in tight to where the Titans are right now. And he joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, I asked this question um, of Colts people, John, the past couple of days will this be a stepping stone for that team after that win in Kansas City I guess the same could be asked about that victory for the Titans over Vegas is this something where momentum is built and it's a stepping stone to better things for this football team
1: yeah I, I think that win over Vegas was certainly a step in the right direction but you can kind of look at it uh, you know whether you're looking at the first half or the second half of the Titans in that game first half everything worked perfectly for them. You know, they they were up 24 10 at that point. They scored on four of their five drives. They were good defensively too. And then all of a sudden, everything kind of broke down in the second half and they wind up, you know, just barely hanging on for, for that, uh, that, that two point victory. So a little bit of momentum was picked up there and that it was a win, but I still think they go into this game against the Colts, you know, still trying to answer some questions and then trying to kind of find their, their old identity back. But, uh, Certainly, a big one for both teams is they got to keep up with those red hot Jacksonville Jaguars, right?
0: It's uh, John Glennon. He covers the Tennessee Titans. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I asked Dave McGinnis this yesterday. Of course, Dave's old school, and he goes, well, you know, you just got to play. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. But honestly, when you view this team and the loss of LaJuan now on the right side of the offensive line, start of the season without Harold Landry, how close might this Titans team be? Even if you factor in A.J. Brown being traded back during the, the NFL draft, how close are they Injury-wise, especially really being in a spot where it's going to be difficult to dig out of.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah, you mentioned the the two biggest ones, certainly, are Luan and Landry. But then, you know, they, they just keep piling on, you know, even this week. Uh, all of a sudden this didn't really get uh, talked about during the game it wasn't really diagnosed apparently the game but starting safety Imani Hooker has a concussion so you know he's in protocol now we don't know what what his status is going to be and and, you know again we're we're three games into the season Titans have 11 guys on IR right now they've got two more on you know reserve PUP who can't play until uh, week five at the earliest so uh, it's a, uh, it's a struggle in that department. I think the secondary, especially I mentioned hooker, some of the corners are, are a little dinged up, uh, as well going into this week, but you know, maybe the, the good news, if you're a Titans fan is if any team is used to dealing with a lot of injuries, the Titans used 91 players last year, set an NFL record, uh, because of so many, uh, injuries and, and, you know, COVID situations as well. So, uh, perhaps they have a little bit of background in that regard.
0: John Glennon covers the Titans. Which was the most disappointing? The blowout loss where basically backup quarterback and the subs were in by the end of the third quarter or the missed kick that cost the home opener to the Giants. Which one was the the most disappointing performance to you? Uh, The worst
1: of the the two performances certainly was up in, in Buffalo. But I would say, you know, in terms of being disappointing, you know, I don't. I don't think a whole lot of people thought that the Titans were going to roll into Buffalo and and knock off the Bills. Uh, you know, I I just didn't see that that happening. It it winds up being a a, a blowout, sure, but um, the the game against the Giants, you know, this is this is the kind of game that the Titans have to win. Obviously, it's a home opener against a team that that didn't do much last year, of course, and and I really thought. The Giants kind of stole the, the the Titans' identity a little bit in that game. The reason being, Titans' identity, you know, for years now has been we can run Derrick Henry. Uh, they weren't able to do that very well against the Giants, and and even more decisive, they've been able to stop the run very well in the last few years. Well, Saquon Barkley and and the Giants kind of ran all over the Titans in that game, Uh, you know, and and when it was all said and done, I I think about 90% of the game, everybody kind of felt like the Titans were going to wind up somehow winning that game. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden at the end, the Giants pull it out and and, uh, boom, you're you're down 0-1-1 and haven't lost the home opener.
0: Derrick Henry, John, what's Derrick Henry's game compared to Derrick Henry of recent history? That is an excellent question, uh, you know, because you, you look
1: at the numbers right now and, and obviously the numbers, whether you're looking at, at you know, the, the simple stats such as, you know, uh, average yards per carry and so forth, or whether you go into the, a little bit more of the analytical stats and, you know, uh, yards over expectation and so forth, all those numbers are, are down and they were down a little bit last year from the year before. So, you know, I, I think there's probably some concern, certainly, that, that all that wear and tear is starting to, to add up for, for Derrick Henry. Uh, on the other hand, I, a lot of people are very happy with the Derrick Henry they saw last week in week three. Um, the numbers weren't necessarily incredible. I think he ran for about 85 yards, but I think it was more the way that Derrick Henry ran broke a lot of tackles. There were, there were yards above uh, expectations again. You know, I, I think it was kind of one of those inspirational Derrick Henry games. Um and if he can keep doing that breaking tackles, uh you know, getting through to the to the second level again, I think that's when the Titans are confident they'll we'll start to see some of those longer Uh, Derrick Henry runs, and those numbers will look a little bit more familiar to what we used to uh, to see Uh, in Derrick Henry.
0: John Glennon covers the Titans. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, Listen, this is just what we do, whether you're the media, media entertainment, you're on TV, in print, whatever. But is there a lot of second-guessing going on through the early stages of the season about what they ended up doing back in the draft and trading A.J. Brown to Philly?
1: Absolutely. You know, and and I don't think the second guessing has really stopped much since the, the, the move occurred. You know, this was an off season where a lot of wide receivers got paid. Uh, you know, a lot of important wide receivers got paid. There, there were a couple certainly that, that were traded. Uh, and then the Titans chose that route, just feeling like they couldn't bridge the gap with, with AJ Brown. But to me, you know, what What really stands out, I mean, the Titans, you're looking at the, the number one seed last year in the AFC South, a team that, that certainly a, a, at that time felt like th- there's a window to win, a window to do very well with the personnel they have right now. So, you know, you would think in that kind of situation, you would find a way to keep a young, talented uh, wide receiver uh, on on board like that. Uh, instead, you know, when when you looked at the Titans as they headed into this season, you couldn't get past that move. That, that was the biggest single move that happened in the offseason. And instead of it being a plus right away, it was a minus. You know, maybe down the road and with the money that you save, with the draft picks that you, you earned, maybe it starts to balance out. But in terms of the right now and in terms of that window to win, you know, I, obviously I think they took a step back.
0: You look know, kind of weird about that entire thing. And you, you go to you know, McLaurin and, and the commander's bringing him back. Um, they don't look anywhere near anything right now. You know, you DK Metcalf getting re-signed in Seattle when clearly they're in a transitional stage. It's kind of weird that the Titans are like right there in the now. You go to the AFC title game two years ago. The one seed last year, you're here and now. And that decision is still a little mind-blowing to me.
1: I, I agree with you, you know, and and it's interesting to me to sort of compare it a little bit to the to the Debo Samuel situation in San Francisco because, right. you know, obviously same same draft and and two very talented young receivers, and and Debo Samuel was was also very disgruntled as AJ Brown was because the money wasn't coming fast enough, you know, uh, everybody was getting paid seemingly except for these guys, and, and Debo Samuel said, hey, I I want a trade, I want out, I'm not happy. Um, and and AJ Brown was clearly not not happy as well. The difference being, I, I think San Francisco took a more patient, long haul approach and said, "Okay, we hear you, but but we're not exactly going to to jump on this. We're going to take our time. We're going to get a deal done." And eventually, Debo Samuel uh, is still there. Whereas the Titans, you know, I, I think they got a little frustrated with uh, with AJ Brown's you know, kind of demands, and, and, and the fact that A.J. Brown wasn't happy, and, and I think that was part of the reason, at least, they decided to move on. So, yeah, it uh, it still surprises me, and, and as I say, maybe in the future, you know, when you look at guys like the Titans picked up with these draft picks, starting cornerback Roger McCreary, starting tackle Nicholas petit Frere and, and, you know, two other guys as well, maybe eventually you say, boy, that wasn't such a bad trade, but right now, you know it, it's tough to say that the titans came out on top there
0: hey john this is a very silly question i'll say that at the outset but yeah back in the day of the polian dungeon manning era it always seemed every time or at least once out of the two times the titans and the colts played the titans would sign the week of that matchup a former colts player and we always joked it was like they're, they're being debriefed right uh LaRaven clark I'm assuming this is more necessity than debriefing, correct, with the former Colt ending up down there?
1: I would say so. Yeah, they've had some struggles on the offensive line, you know, obviously losing Luan and, and the Jamarco Jones, another offensive lineman on injured reserve. So probably uh, probably more uh, necessity in that regard. And I would say, I guess, over the years, it's, It probably didn't work so well for the Titans trying to get that extra guy, too, because we know how
0: one-sided this rivalry was for a very long time. I swear to you, it always seemed that way, didn't it, though? In the week of, the Titans would inevitably add somebody to their practice squad that was a former Colts player.
1: They were were not picking the right guy, apparently.
0: (laughs) They were not. What's your outlook, remainder of this season uh, again is, is this is something that they, can they put this back together again like the six million dollar man and make a run at it and obviously within the AFC south i mean everybody is always in play or <laughs> is this kind of a danger zone time considering the injury surrounding this titans team
1: yeah I, I tend to lean a little towards the latter you know i i think in, in terms of potentially being a playoff team, like like you said, the the magic equalizer right now is is playing in the AFC South, and you know that there may be a team with with who knows, you know, nine wins that that wins this division yeah. or and and makes the playoffs. It, it certainly could happen. But you know, when when you look at some of the the personnel moves and the improvements that a lot of those AFC teams, other AFC teams made, and and the talent they have. Um, you know, I, I have a tough time, you know, seeing the Titans matching up with some of these teams, you know, offensively um, I, I'm not sure that their ground and pound attack is what it was, which, which often allowed them to, to control the ball, you know, against some of these more high-powered passing attacks. Um, but I'm not sure it's there right now. So I, uh, I think the Titans may may be right down to it in terms of getting to the playoffs but I think it would be difficult to, to see them going too far. All
0: right. A couple of things, John, before I let you go, a couple of things that Colts fans should look out for as far as the Titans and that matchup coming up on Sunday, at Lucas oil stadium. Anything stand out?
1: You know, I, I, I think the, um, we're seeing some signs of an improved passing game. You know, there are a lot of questions as we talked about. AJ Brown was, was not going to be there and, and who was uh, Ryan Tannehill going to throw to, but, Last two games, we've seen Ryan Tannehill throw a combined eight passes to Robert Woods. You know, he's a veteran guy, very productive for the for the Rams and for the Bills over the years. So I think he's certainly a guy that, that's trending in the right direction. Their first-round draft take, uh, Traylon Burks as well, the wide receiver, uh, basically uh, very similar to A.J. Brown, you know, the guy that will eventually replace A.J. Brown. He's some flashes of, of potential, so he's a guy worth – uh, you know, keeping your eye on in, in that regard. Um, defensively, you know, you, you obviously have to, uh, to look for Jeffrey Simmons on the defensive line. is just a, just a beast. Um, but Bud Dupree comes back from injury this week, and, and especially without Harold Landry in the, in the game, they're really going to need some, some good edge work from Bud Dupree going against a quarterback who's not very mobile. So look for him to, to maybe uh, do some production on Sunday.
0: Hey John, outstanding work, man! I appreciate you hopping on here very much. So, and sure. um, we'll get you back on when there's that return trip down to Nashville later on in the season. It's going to be in October, right? So, because I, I think the Colts have one division game after Halloween, which is a hell of a long time. It's, it makes makes no sense, you know. And of course, the Titans yeah. have,
1: I think, just one other opponent before they face the Colts again because they've got a bye week. So, yeah, it's a little
0: it's a little crazy it is hey John thank you very much for the time we'll do it again okay thanks guys I appreciate it John Glennon right there via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline si.com fan so much more good guy Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 joins us before we dive into the Colts in your era James Taylor Harry Chapin Jim Croce who would you go with
2: Probably Jim Croce. Yeah, uh, I, I was a Brian Adams guy too. I thought Brian Adams was a pretty good. Uh, you know, and, you're and, a Brian and, you know, a Brian Adams guy. Yeah, I mean, not a guy. I mean, yeah, I like this stuff. Yeah, and, and no, again, no, no a, I agree. Big, yeah, I'm a I'm a big Bob Seger guy, which is probably a little bit later than than what the other guys, James Taylor, a few of them, but some of it it was just too too y for me. Uh, Fire and rain was pretty good, but, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, probably, probably Jim, if you put, you know, put through the fire, probably Jim Croce.
0: Yeah. Jim Croce passed away in a plane crash back in 1973. And, uh, we were just kind of getting at that time. I was three, but, uh, obviously the memories, <laughs> um, his, his wheelhouse of greatness, certainly there with bad, bad Leroy Brown and operator and. And uh, songs of that nature. You mentioned Bob Seeger too. How many times have you seen Seeger in concert?
2: Three, I think. Yeah, and, and I saw. Like he, he he gets it. When people go to his concert, he can he can sprinkle in a few new songs, but they want they want his stuff. Yeah. They, they don't want they don't want him pushing his new album or whatever. And when I saw him latest here in town, he gave you all of that, and he gave you a few of the new things, but. People, people want the good stuff,
0: and I'm glad it gets it because a lot of these folks don't get it, and that's unfortunate. I saw Seeger in 1985 at Market Square Arena, and the fabulous Thunderbirds opened up. It was yeah spectacular.
2: Yeah, well, I'm old enough to remember. I it's funny when they, they'll at, the, at a lot of these football games they'll play "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond. Right. I've seen him in concert like three times and three dog three dog night and Chicago and guys like that. So, you know, I I'm one of the old farts. To Mike
0: Chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59 with us away from music and to the Colts injury report today. It was good that Jonathan Taylor was back. It was bad that he missed a practice basically for the first time since birth. That wasn't good, but he was back today. But no DeForest Buckner, no Julian Blackman. What's the outlook? I guess the telltale sign is going to be tomorrow for practice.
2: What's the outlook for those
0: players coming up on Sunday?
2: The onion Frank will give us, you know, the guys are out. He'll give us you know, Shaq will be questionable, which means he plays, or he'll be ruled out. I think Taylor plays. I think Buck plays. I think all those guys. The only one that probably doesn't is Julian Blackman. Uh, Frank was really very evasive when it came to him on, on Wednesday. Probably some gamesmanship with, with the Titans. But it's funny. Whenever you see a guy on the list that's almost never on the list, like like JT, It, gets, it you know if it's a quarterback or you're Stud running back, it catches your eye, and anyone with a toe. I mean, you know, there, there are things that a guy can compensate for. You know, a sore toe is not one of them for running back. But he, he, he was he, he appeared fine in the locker room today. Was wearing shoes, not wearing a boot, which is always a a bad sign. Wearing a boot. So by and large, this team should be healthy at the right positions. Now, if they just get a healthy offensive line, we'll be in good shape. Healthy as far as performance.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll get to that performance and lack thereof coming up in a second. Mike Chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59s on the Andy Moore automotive group potline. you mentioned, too, with Jonathan Taylor, we're talking about one of the worst run defenses so far this year in the NFL. So you want him at an optimum level. And if you get a dinged up Jonathan Taylor combined with just a really ineffective offensive line to this point. That's not a great combination against this run defense that's been susceptible to basically anybody in the first three weeks running the football.
2: Yeah, you know it's it's, it's three games. It's still a little small sample size, but they're giving up one forty-five and five point eight. If that doesn't make your toe feel good, I don't know what does. I'd rub that no doubt. on his foot, his toe every second. But th- this is it's just they they're, they need to get the running game going. It, it's okay. It's not to their standards at all. And, you know, we were talking today about, he says that we're just off a little bit. And Dave Griffiths, my buddy at Fox 59 CBS4, asked him, like, how close are you on breaking some of these? He said, we're close. And he gave you that look like, you know, we're close. Uh, I tell you, and there's nothing you can do about it now. But in my mind, they miss Jack Doyle, they miss miss Zach Pascal in the run game. And uh, one stat that just jumps out at me, I put it out there earlier in the week, he's like fourth in the league in rushing. 25% of his rushes, 25% are for zero, zero yards or minus. So a quarter of the time, you know, he's, he's getting hit. And to me, that's, that's, that's run blocking, not being sharp enough, letting people in. But he just needs to get to where he gets to the second level and then makes somebody miss, and then he's out, you know, running by himself. That's what his game is. He wears you down, wears you down, and then he gets loose, kind of like Derrick Henry did or does whenever he's at his best. So we'll see. I I tell you, this is a game that just begs him to run the ball with he and Naheem. You know, run the ball 30, 35 times, 40 times and let Matt Ryan just sort of sit back there and pick his spots and hand off instead of trying to avoid free blitzers.
0: So Mike chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59 is with us. Frank Reich had mentioned earlier this week that it was basically a communication issue. Now, my problem with the lack of efficiency with the offensive line is getting a lot of blow-bys with uh, Braden Smith you got a bull rush on his ass with Danny Pinter. Ryan Kelly just looks oftentimes confused. So, to me, it has looked more than communication. And you can add in the calls at the line of scrimmage, you know, and the lack of blitz pickups with Jonathan Taylor in mind. But to me, it looks a lot more than just a communication issue. What do you think?
2: Yeah. Now, I like Kansas City. Now, there were two or three times where they just got beat one-on-one. Pinner comes to mind on back-to-back plays. Uh, but you just can't have five or six plays where they just got a free shot on your quarterback. If you remember, it was the first play of the game and then the first third down of the game. And, you know, the, the one fumble was a fourth and one where the guy comes in and forces the fumble. What's the quarterback supposed to do? So that, that's one where the communication is somebody was supposed to pick that guy up. There was a, a, a blitz at one point, again, third quarter I think it was, where Bolton comes right up the middle. And, you know, Kelly kind of slides to his right and Quentin to his left a little bit, and it leaves a gap there. And if you look at it, it sure looks like Jonathan Taylor is supposed to pick that guy up. It just does. And if that's the case, it makes everybody else look bad when, you know, Kelly kind of lets a guy through. Well, he let him through because somebody else was supposed to do it. So, And the one thing that I'm not buying is that, you know, this is a new quarterback and they're still trying to get – now they have been together since the offseason right. and training they've had that should not be to where you know you can't get the the, the, the the adjustment out to your to your center and your guard and your tackle and your tight end so they've got to get it cleaned up if you go back and watch that game there are probably six or seven times when the pass protection is great it's fine and he he completes and he's throwing the ball down the field to Pittman and Pierce and, and Doolin on one. So it, it's there. But boy, if the quarterback starts feeling pressure, well, when it's there, but when it's not there, then you have problems. And there was one or two plays where I thought he had a chance to make a play. And he's just sort of sensed the pressure that in that instant might not have been there. But they has got to get that fixed. I don't. The only quarterbacks that can play behind this line right now, I think, are like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray to where they can run away from pressure. But, but then it breaks down everything else. So they need to get it fixed. And, and I tell you, Tennessee has seen the same thing that all of us have. So if the Colts don't get it fixed, Tennessee's going to make them pay for it. Even
0: beyond that, Mike, if um, this is something they can't fix – with communication, as Frank Reich alluded to, this is more than just a breakdown of this weekend or later on in the season. I mean, this is a, a, a fundamental and a foundational breakdown for this team moving forward. That's just – you can't have it. I mean, th- this is well, a have to – they but, have to get that fixed.
2: But the thing is with communication, you still – you still, whether you've got players who aren't quite up to the task, anybody's name you want to in there, they still – if they get their blocking assignment – then they should be in position, even if they get beat on the play. But to have guys that simply come free, that's not thats not getting beat physically. It's getting beaten mentally. And I, I don't know how you don't fix that. Uh, now, we could argue whether they need to change personnel, and, and I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. But I just don't know how you would continue to have mental breakdowns. I mean, it's almost like you need to – remember when you were young and you, in, in the – recess you'd have like a a soup can tied with string to another soup can to to where you talk to somebody is that what they need to do I mean what's up with getting getting the communication out there so it's to me that's just I I don't know what that is Frank said I know what the answer is and we'll get it fixed well we'll see because if you don't you know it's if you don't fix something teams are simply going to keep exploiting it and you can't run an efficient offense when your quarterback doesn't have two seconds to to, to get ready to throw the ball.
0: All right. So with that in mind, what have we seen as to what level have we seen? Because we were in the press box on Sunday, and this is what I noticed. I noticed that Matt Ryan misses a lot. He misses a lot. Um, He doesn't throw. It it looks like he was kind of slow on the draw and throwing to some open receivers on Sunday. That's what I saw. What is the percentage you think is equated to this offensive line inefficiency compared to maybe just looking at Matt Ryan as a 37-year-old quarterback, and that's where he is?
2: Probably more the line, although I don't want to. I mean, there were some he just flat missed. But then there were some that he was right on. I mean, a couple of those to Pierce, a couple of those to Pittman were really, really impressive throws. Whether or not he's letting the – the lack of consistent pressure get to him, I don't know. Uh, one of the things that he's he hangs his head on throughout his career, you know, this guy's like a 65-66% thrower. He just is. So I think they get back to that, but that's you need to get that going so you can get the running game going. It's all in, intertwined and if you can at least show a. I'm not saying dynamic, but just a reliable passing game. Maybe people back off, and it gives JT a chance to just get that scene that he needs. But it just all starts. It starts with the offensive line, because again, it's, we, as I mentioned on on Taylor's uh, lost, you know, lost yardage and, and no gains. That's on the offensive line. That, that's not Taylor. That's not pass or not being there to block or whatever. So a lot of it comes down to the offensive line. And as you've mentioned, we've all mentioned, it's the highest-paid line in the league. And when you invest your money like that, you expect better returns. You know, Braden Smith's been up and down. Ryan Kelly's been up and down. I think Hughes played pretty well. I've not really noticed Quentin Nelson having issues, but boy, everybody else is. And I just, you just have to believe they get this thing going because if they don't get the offensive line playing better. It's going to be hard for a 37-year-old quarterback to do what you need him to do. Well,
0: Mike, I mentioned this to you earlier. I, I, it breaks down everything because you mentioned the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL. I mean, you—you are—you know—dedicated, foundationally speaking, to that group right now. That sure undermines you your philosophy here, Sunday, and then for the future. I mean, you can't have it. This is a have to. This is like one of my must wins here. This is a have to fix, or your entire philosophy gets flushed down the toilet to me.
2: Well, I can keep in mind, that, like let, let's say let's say they get it fixed, okay, and it and they're back to where you can throw on Jake and, and it's and it's serviceable. Well, then next year it's going to be even a more expensive line because yeah. you're going to do something at left tackle that's not going to be four million dollars it's going to be it's going to be a significant fix so yeah it's it's this is this is where they've sort of built the team and what's what's really kind of interesting is the Colts and Titans are sort of built the same way I mean they're really built strong offensive line strong defensive line and a really stud running back and a quarterback that's well, he can make plays, but you're, you really want to run the ball more. And, and that's how these both teams are, are built. And Zach Kiefer did a pretty good story. He and I were talking as he was doing this. Is he, 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 they're sort of outliers. I know Dallas wants to do that more, but th- this is a league that they, people like to throw the ball around the yard 45 times a game. And that's not the way, given their brothers, the Colts and Titans want to play football. And that's why I say, with the way that the Titans have have had trouble stopping the run, if that's an issue coming out of Sunday's game that they're still not getting, you know, consistent yards and and sustained drives with the running game, then then the red flag goes up.
0: He's Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline Coach's Tavern. It is our tavern tour stop for September and our large city bourbon locks and luna's old tequila shots. For week number four of the NFL, which starts tonight with the Bengals hosting the Dolphins over in Cincinnati. Um, Jim Irsay, if he was outspoken about two things in the offseason, first things first, it was Carson Wentz and why they needed to move on after one year. Right. Secondly, it was how this is an absolute, again, another must-win situation, a super premium must-win situation. That's how he views this Titans team, is it not? His level of disappointment, just beyond the fact that that really screws them up if, this lose, if they lose this game on Sunday, yeah, how do you rank his opinion on the Titans of the offseason and the level of importance with this game with the Titans on Sunday, Mike.
2: Yeah, and, and, and what's, what throws a monkey wrench into it is Jacksonville might be pretty good. Yeah. They, they, might, they might be pretty good. But, no, there's no question. I, I wasn't at the owners' meetings. I, I, I tapped in on Zoom. But the guys that were down there, what they said that struck them is he was talking about something else, and then he just went right to Tennessee. It's not like somebody said, well, hey, what, what about the Titans? He brought it up. It's a burr in his butt that, that they've, they've sort of dominated. Now, the only question, the only issue I've got is, it's not like the, the Titans have dominated for the last 10 years. It's been like the last two years. They've won four of the last five. But that that's what – thats it, it's most recent. They won the last two division titles. You know, the Titans are 10-2 and two in the division in the last two years. And the Colts – remember when the Colts won that 17 straight in the division? They're like 500 since then. So that's it. You just can't – you can't – that makes – it makes it hard everywhere else if you can't take care of your division, which – during that time, it's not been a real strong division. So, you know, they've had trouble with, with Tennessee, and we know what they've done to Jacksonville. How, how po do you think the owner was after that Jacksonville game, the 24 nothing game in Jacksonville? I bet, I bet he was blew it. But Tennessee is the one that he knows that if push comes to shove, that they're the ones you're going to have to beat, and he's probably right. And it, it won't be a good thing if Tennessee comes in here and all of a sudden Derrick Henry goes for a 160 and they sort of slap you around because th- this Somebody's, is one where yeah. you sort of say this, this is who we are and you're not going to push us around here and it stops today. That, that's what has to happen.
0: You want to hear a half cock theory that I have? Sure. I, I think that Jim Mersey is a little bit smitten because Tennessee going to the AFC title game Being the one seed a year ago, winning the AFC South is clearly what he wants from his team, and I think that there's a bit of a smittenness, a bit of a jealousy there, because obviously when they hired Frank Reich, you know, Mike Vrabel was a guy that certainly that Chris Ballard had kind of looked at, had kind of thought about. I think there's a bit of a smittenness there for Jim Irsay and Mike Vrabel and the accomplishments in the past couple of years for this Titans team compared to what the Colts have looked like with Frank. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Because, you know, like I say, that they're both doing it the same way. And right now the Titans are doing it better for whatever reason. I mean, they just are. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think there is some of that. And the only way to, to kind of bring his eye back here is to, is, is to get back and, and – I don't say dominate the series, but 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 be more successful in the series and, and certainly not lose at home. And keep in mind though after going to Denver, then they've got Jacksonville and Tennessee again. So th- that's what we said from the start, the first seven games, five of them in the division, and you've already, you know, thrown away a tie and a loss. So I yeah, I'm not quite on your must win and all this train, but but I understand where you're coming from. And to go what would be oh two and one in the division after four weeks would not be a good thing at all. I I, I just think that Jim Mersey he
0: like he's at a point where it's like make or break for him a little bit here. He doesn't want to be hardcore. I mean, he wants to have fun. He wants to go to farm aid, you know, in, you know, in a couple of hours and you right. know get a video with Willie Nelson and hang out with Mellencamp or bring Mellencamp and Gorman back, you know, on Saturday night before that game against Kansas City. I think he wants to do all that while his team wins. And this is still the most important aspect of what is going on here is this team and the results of this team. And I just kind of think you look at what Tennessee has done compared to what the Colts have done, and that is a reminder that this Colts team is still obviously underachieved regardless of the circumstances of quarterback. Underachieved at this point, point. and I think that's not only with the fan base, but I think that's with, with the owner as well. That's just my theory. It could be, again, half-cocked, but that's my theory.
2: And, and, and again, the only way to, to flip the script is to go out and win. It's, you know, it's, yeah, exactly. it, it, it's great talking about this. And I had a chat with the owner yesterday about this. And, you know, the, it, it, the AFC South and, and Tennessee is so much on his mind. When you talk to the players about it during tra- at training camp about the AFC South, and it's, he does it pretty much every year, but it's true. And, and the, again, the only way to, to get him satisfied, and it should be, is to win and and build on Kansas City and show that that just wasn't an aberration. You know, maybe maybe Jacksonville was I don't know. I don't know if, I still don't know what to make of that game. But again if you if you're gonna be a team that's built strong on both lines and a running back and all this then then, then go out and, and kind of put your will on somebody on Sunday and don't you know don't let a one of the worst run defenses kind of bottle up Taylor and don't let Derrick Henry go off. I went back and looked. His last six games, he's yet to have 100 yards. Six straight games without 100 yards, he's averaging 3.1 yards of carry over that stretch. And and don't let him get well against you guys because this is a great run defense. The Colts have got Grover Stewart playing outstanding. Uh, So just take care of business. Do what you're supposed to do, and don't piss off your owner.
0: I know that he talked to you today that Mike chapel of CBS Ford Fox 59 joins us in closing here. Um, I know you're plugged in as anybody out there. Do you think that that win, not the way that they played, but that ultimate win, did that save the position of Chris Rosser's offensive line coach on Sunday?
2: Cause I don't I think know. It did. I, I don't know if they would have pulled the plug. I don't know. I, at some point you, you have to do something to show people that you're paying attention. And, you know, they were never going to get rid of Frank and certainly not the GM. I think the GM's is okay, is safe. I really, And I think Frank is too, barring this really going south. But it, at some point it, it's like we've got to do something because if it persists, then maybe it's not the players, it's the position coach that people aren't listening to or the message isn't getting through. I don't know. I never like to see position coaches get fired because there's much more to it than that. Yeah, but they're the they're the ones that that are out there, and that's it's it's their position. It's what they're supposed to do, and I just I just don't think they want to do that. I don't think they will do that. But had that had that thing ended up with a loss and the, the quarterback getting pounded around, I don't know. But I, I, any move they make is going to be a move like that, at a position. And right now, that's the one position that's not playing well.
0: Yeah, it is, and it's, it's really the one position that can. And, you know, we talked about this last week. The defensive line wasn't playing well, and they stepped up big. I mean, they really did. They were reminiscent of, I think, what we expected to see uh, from that defensive line last weekend from Ngakwe to Buckner to Grover Stewart, who's been incredibly high-level consistent. That is what we expected to see, but uh, the offensive line is not even close. I mean, not even close to what, regardless of, you know, whether this is on Taylor or, you know, the quarterback, center communication, whatever, this is not even close to what you expect. So, speaking of that, before I let you go, Shaquille Leonard, what's your expectation on Sunday?
2: Gun to my head, I say no. I, yeah, me I just, too. And if he doesn't play Sunday, he doesn't play Thursday. I mean, what, what would change right. in that so, so maybe we're looking at that Jacksonville game coming out of the, the mini-buy. I he, I tell you what, he he wanted to get something off his chest today, and he did about – he, no one reads social media more than he does. And you get these troll idiots out there questioning his willingness to play. I mean, really? This guy would run – he doesn't need my defense. But he's like 98% of these guys, he'll run through a wall. To play and if he's not playing it's because he doesn't think he's ready yet and and he's not going to put himself out there to hurt the team i I know people seem bounce around on the sidelines and all this you know it was back surgery he, he they, 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 they addressed two discs that that messed with that was messing with nerves. This isn't a high ankle sprain or whatever else it's back surgery when he's ready he'll play and it's killing him. Not to play. Anyone who's questioning why it's taking so long, it's because that's how long it's taken. Uh, it, it's not because he, he doesn't want to play. It's because he's not ready yet. When he's ready, he'll play, and and he'll be uh, one juiced-up guy when he's ready to play. And I don't mean that in a bad way.
0: Yeah, well, see, I agree with you on this. I don't think he plays Sunday, and then I don't think he plays because that's a – Thursday night or with Denver as well, but uh, yeah, interesting. We'll see if all this comes to pass, but man, this is a huge one coming up on Sunday. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He's on the Andy Moore automotive group pod line. Great conversation, Mike. I appreciate that. We'll see you at the press box coming up on Sunday. And hopefully, hopefully I get a different idea and feeling about the quarterback that I did up there on Sunday because I <laughs> honestly up until that final drive, I thought he looked awful. <laughs> he looked awful. I, I
2: thought I I didn't think he was as awful as you as you did. I thought he Yeah. when he was given the chance, he he made the plays. But uh we'll see it they, they they'll go as far as he takes them. I mean, JT is still the driving force, but only as far as your quarterback plays can yep. you go.
0: Yep. No doubt about that. We'll see you up there on Sunday, Mike. Lunch is on me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, those hamburgers, I dig it. Do you like your hamburgers, you know, like, uh, soaked in whatever that is?
2: You know, it's free. <laughs> if, if you don't like it, don't eat it. It's free. The next person that complains about free food, you ought to slap them.
0: <laughs> well, hey, when, uh, is this true? I always thought this. This is my theory. How much did Bill Polian have to do with the location of that press box, the lack of facilities, really, for everybody up there, and then the uh, two elevators that not just go up there, but also have to drop people off at every every single level, fans. It's How off, much did awful. you have to do with that?
2: Well, probably not a lot. The reason we're on the top of the building is they could sell suites below us. Oh. Just about anywhere you go, I think Tennessee's still really nice, but so many places you're at the top of the building, but... Yeah, I don't think he had that much power here. I don't think so. I don't but, uh, know, man. I
0: don't. Know. I think <laughs> we're up there in that glass encased mausoleum for a reason, right there. So you, I you do. He
2: said, "Is this a, is this as high as we can get him? Can't we go even higher?" I think
0: he said we're going to put these because <laughs> listen, we, we, we all we were together when they were at the RCA Dome, and there were some yeah. moments there. Whether you're talking about that playoff game with Kansas City and the Colts when Chris Collinsworth was going over the Manning offensive calls, and he absolutely blew a gasket in front of us all right there. Yeah. And and the fact that the fans were right there, I just – I mean, we, you can't hear anything up there right now, really, because they play music with so much bass in it. It sounds like that somebody has a real big-time bass speaker system in the back of their 75 Pinto and then hatchback.
2: Somebody driving past my house, so you're on 9th Street. And <laughs> my house, you know, vibrates from, from the bass. Uh, yes, yeah. I do.
0: I think, I think that Bill had a great dad. I also think they screwed up with the sun. Because the sun is on them, on the home team for those one o'clock I thought, I
2: thought starts. About, I thought you were like, talking about Chris Bolian. <laughs> well, yeah, the sun, yeah. Well,
0: Tony Hugo. That's all. <laughs> that's all yeah. that anybody needed, I think, right there was Tony Hugo, and then it was all done, right? I so, know. yep. Anyway, all right, buddy. I appreciate you. Later. It's on my Chapel, CBS Four, Fox Fifty Nine. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline getting ready to start, actually already started practice-wise, another pacer season. And a uh, friend of this show, we love having him on any time of the year, but certainly at the start of the year and this particular year, guard T.J. McConnell is with us. T.J., thank you very much for joining us. How are you?
3: First off, thanks for
0: having me. I'm doing well. How are you? You are a fan favorite around here. So no matter what time of year we're talking about, football season, basketball season, baseball season, people, pretty geek to have you on, man, always.
3: I appreciate it, and just love being on, so thank you.
0: I um, am curious, how's the start of this season feel in camp and getting underway next week in preseason games? How does it feel for you compared to those seasons of the past?
3: It it obviously feels different. You know, I feel like when when I got here, um, this is going on my fourth year, we had a a veteran group every, every year since I've been here and kind of to look out in the gym and see the youth that we have here. Um, it's different, but I I feel really good about it. We have, we've got a great group of guys that is given 110%. They're good people. And, you know, there's a lot of talent here. I'm very excited with the group that we have.
0: TJ McConnell, the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Are, are the guys leaning on you? I'm assuming that you're, you know, one of the veterans, certainly, in that room there. Are they leaning on you for guidance and leadership at this point? Um,
3: yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, paying attention to that. But, you know, if they have questions, I, sure. certainly, I certainly do answer them and, um, in the best way that I can. And if I see something, I try to help them. I feel like that's my job. Um, here, you know, like with the, like you said, the guys that we have. If I see something, I would be I would be doing a disservice if I didn't say anything say anything. So um, I feel like um, that's kind of been my role um, so far.
0: I'm kind of curious. I mean, you're a veteran guy. Uh, you've been a part of good teams before. You're an established player in the NBA. This is, I guess, I would call this a, a soft reboot. If you, whatever the case, whatever you want to describe it, are you cool with the pass? Uh, I should say with the path they're doing right now as far as where they're starting, you being a, a veteran player and all?
3: Um, I, I love it. Like I said, I, I love it here. I love playing here. I love the team that we have, and I love what we're building. Um, it's it, it's fun. And like I said, we've got a great a great group of guys who are energetic and good people, and I think we're all very excited with what we're building here.
0: How are you feeling health-wise?
3: I feel 100%. You know, it was tough sitting out last year, but, you know, credit to the training staff, you know, that helped, especially Carl Eaton, that helped me get back quickly um, to be able to play those last three games so I didn't have to sit around all summer, you know, thinking what if. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, I'm just um, I'm glad I was able to get back those last three games.
0: If there's anybody that's going to get you back for that, it's Carl, by the way, too. You were in good hands, no doubt. He's the absolute best. I was so happy and fortunate to work with him. That length of time that you missed a year ago, was that by far the longest of your career at any level?
3: For sure. Um, I think seven the seven years prior, each season, I've only missed at most five or six
0: games in a season. So um, that was definitely a change for me. Competitor, To me, it looks like a lot of your existence is is kind of, you know, you get out there and you let it loose. And, you know, no matter if you're getting paid to play or if you do it just as recreation, you know, you, you get to cut loose. That's what's special about sports. You get to cut loose in competition. How much of you that thrives on competition like that on a daily basis missed that when you were out a year ago?
3: Oh, um, you know, I missed it a ton. And – you know, you know, you guys are going to laugh, but probably r- racing my wife to the mailbox <laughs> is pretty much the only only competitive thing I could do. And, yeah. and you know, I have you know, I won that. I'm not letting her win. <laughs> um, it, you know, like I like you said, it's I thrive off competitiveness and going all out. You know, in everything that I do, and when it's taken away from you, it becomes more valuable once you're able to come back.
0: It, um, even at a, a lower older level much lower and much older level with me it becomes a part of you i mean it's addictive i mean it really is but it's in a a good way too because it drives you and and just assuming when that's not there that's that's a pretty large void pretty large gap in your daily routine oh 100 Uh, you know
3: and when it is taken away from you um you know so abruptly you it just you hit a wall where you don't know what to do with, with the free time and you're so routine oriented. So it, it was, it was a, a weird transition, but also I I was able to see the game at a different and it, from a different perspective. And I think it helped me out, you know, from seeing it from the coach's point of view, whether we're given effort and executing and, you know, just being able to tell the guys what I see, you know, while I'm watching.
0: So T.J. McConnell, of the Pacers, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Did you have any inspiration further down the road to be a coach? And did that time off, you know, kind of talking about what you saw and how you were relaying that information to others, did that kind of pique your interest on what might be well further down the road for you, coaching-wise?
3: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't really crossed that bridge yet. Um, I certainly thought about it with the time off and and seeing it from from that lens and and kind of, you know, getting a, a small taste of what it was like being a coach. Because um, I, I, that's what I felt like from not being able to play. But I, I haven't really thought about that yet. I, I obviously have interest but, you know, I'm not sure. I'm just kind of focused on this year and this team sure. and cross that bridge when I have to.
0: Is there anything in, in closing that chapter here of you being out was there anything that you saw that was kind of oh wow I mean you've been down the path a thousand times in basketball at every level was there anything that you saw again through that lens that you're talking about here that was kind of an oh wow basketball moment for you anything strike you like that
3: I feel like you know this is going to sound really weird but um it's because I'm so locked in you know throughout the year That when you take a step back and you're you're just you're watching the game, you're not locked in uh, playing it. You you don't really realize how how talented a lot of these guys are, and because you, I mean, it's just your job. And when I when I was sitting down, it I just would watch the game and watch how fast the game is and how great the players are. You know, it really just stuck out to me when I. When I wasn't locked in as a player, and then saw it from a different lens,
0: I, I would assume because you have the ball in your hand all the time, you're, you're on the dribble, looking for folks, and I know that you have a great eyeball to find folks off the ball and such. But did you find yourself often sitting over there, kind of not trying not to watch the ball, but watch what's going on off the ball?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to to help our team and, and communicate and 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 like I said, help help us in any way that i can but you know i would be lying to you if i said i wasn't paying attention to you know seeing what the superstars are doing and 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 you know how great of players they are
0: so tj mcconnell with us Uh, tyrese halliburton is a young player one of those young talented players that you referenced a little bit earlier his skill set what's been the biggest impression for you from what you've seen from your teammate
3: he's just flat out special um I'm not going to sugarcoat it. His his vision, his shooting ability, his ability to get to the paint and get fouled, um, his knack for getting steals on defense. This guy's going to have a long, long career in the NBA, and he's going to be playing at a high, high level um, for a very long time and very fortunate to call him a friend and he teammate.
0: TJ McConnell's with us. What's been your impression so far? He went to Arizona, much like you did as well. But the uh, the first round pick was Benedict Matherin over the summer. What's been your early impression on the rookie?
3: He is well beyond his years. I mean, he's mature, um, and he has a hunger to get better every day. Um, he's he has so much, so much potential, and he like like I said about Tyrese he 's going to be playing at a high level for a long time in this league. and just see his work ethic and his his hunger to improve and and, and be coachable. You know he wants to be coached and and that 's something that you that you just love to see in a young guy
0: is that um? I always consider you know i think most people do as well t j watching you play i mean you, you compete at the highest level and there's a there's a difference between playing hard i mean all you guys play hard i mean but there's a difference between that and competing do these guys through that lens you were talking about earlier do they have that high level of competition much like you desire out of yourself
3: yeah i mean I, that's why i'm so excited about this group and and you know everyone here is has a hunger and a competitive edge about them that it's it's contagious you know it it, it spreads to everyone in the in the the practices we've had are high level and highly competitive and it's been really fun so I'm excited and anxious to see more of it
0: TJ McConnell is with us alright races to the mailbox anything else that you did while you were out just to try to spark a little bit of competition anything you learned mm-hmm. anything you did anything inspire you
3: no I mean I, I always try to look at things as a positive and you know that time off I was able to spend a ton of time with my wife and and one-year-old son um, that I wouldn't get if I was playing. So it was truly incredible to be able to spend that time with them and and bond and and just – and have a good time, and and I loved every minute of it. Let
0: me tell you this. You're not at that point yet, but I completely get what you're talking about because I've been lucky to do this in the afternoons for the better part of 17 years. I mean, I've taken my kids to school every day. Um, every day, you know, from the time that they start school to one sixteen and 1-12 right now, and man, you, you never think you get the opportunity, and, and you know, unfortunately, for some folks, they go nine to five or they don't have the opportunity to do that. But when you get that, you know, that kind of look at what exactly you're missing, it does make that time extra special.
3: No, it really, um, and and it, I'm not saying that, you know. It's a good thing that I was hurt. Not, no, someone getting injured is um, is horrible. And but the the time that I was able to spend with my little guy and and uh, my wife, it was you know, I, I wouldn't take it back for anything.
0: Nah, no, no, no. It's 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 awesome, man. And to get even better when you get those moments here, even even further down the road. T.J. McConnell's with us. Are you a football fan? I am. Right, what's your team? Yes, I am. I'm from Pittsburgh, so yeah, Pittsburgh I figured. Steelers. I thought about that a little bit earlier. I was just going to let you answer, but I I, I figured as as such. So you watch a lot of football?
3: Yeah, I do. Um, you know, growing up a Steeler fan, and you know all the history there. Um, kind of just grew up watching football. Um, you know, it's it was it's it's a religion to some people back in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so it's. It's uh, a close-knit fan base for sure. All
0: right. You you mentioned, you know, the injury last year. Was it equally as weird to see the Cincinnati Bengals out of the AFC North in the Super Bowl as a Steeler fan? Which one was more awkward, you not playing or seeing that taking place last February?
3: You know, I don't don't want to throw shots at Bengals fans or the Bengals organization, but I'm sure we weren't the only fan base to find that weird of them being (laughs) in the Super
0: Bowl. Hey, let me tell you something else. Tyrese... Hit the uh, the anvil before Colts games. They do that, and Tyrese hit it on on Sunday. There may be a little bit of inspiration in that because that was a game the Colts absolutely needed and got it against one of the better teams in the NFL. So I I've been trying to see if somebody else from the Pacers maybe should get over there on Sunday if you guys don't have something going on and pan that anvil because they got a big one with against Tennessee.
3: Yeah, I uh, I was actually right behind Tyrese. We you know what? You also. were,
0: weren't you? Now that I yes, you were yeah. there.
3: They, it was a great experience to to be a part of.
0: They need to ask you guys back. Have they asked you back yet? To your knowledge?
3: No, I'm, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. They go with a strike. Michael Tyrese. You gotta you gotta go until they drop a game.
0: <laughs> you let me tell you this: you cannot go to sleep on a streak, man. You know this. I'm going to put a call in over there and make sure you guys get back down there because they need you. And you saw what the outcome was with you guys doing that this past Sunday against the Chiefs. Hey, honestly, though, we always love the conversation, no matter what we're talking about. And I know everybody around here is fantastically happy to see you back in the fold, healthy and good to go again. Uh, Stay in touch with us, and we'll see if we can't get you guys all back over there. Who else was there besides you and, and Tyrese?
3: No, oh, there was too many. I I, I forget. There was I, it was me, Andrew, Kendall, Ben, um, Langston, James Johnson, Tyrese, um, Jalen Smith. There was a lot of guys there. Man, nice. Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson was there. Yeah, there was a lot.
0: No, nah, we got it. We got to have that again. You can't. I mean, you cannot go to sleep on a streak like that. So we'll see. Your phone it's may ring there. in a little bit. I may get, a, get Mike Preston or somebody a call and say – you got to get over there on Sunday before that game, so be ready.
3: No problem. No problem at all. All
0: right, TJ, I appreciate you, man. Have a great season. We'll talk again soon.
3: Of course. Thanks for having me, and you have a good day.
0: You too. TJ McConnell of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline.